Welcome to the Lando Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Very excited today to be joined from inside the bubble. Inside the bubble. You're our first bubble guest, Kyle Goon of the Southern California News Group. Um, we've never we've never had a bubble person. Um, <laughs> Love, by hey, the way, That's too. our uh, word. That's our term, okay? Only you can only use that amongst each other. So we no, can't yeah. like we can't make like bubble jokes about like <laughs> you and stuff like only bubble people can make bubble jokes. Yeah, yeah. Are, are, well, are actually, you I, go ahead? Are, are you accusing us, uh, Kyle, of appropriating your culture? Are we appropriating <laughs> bubble culture? Bubble culture. You don't want to know that. You don't want to know everything about that goes on in the bubble. That's for sure. Um, if we could, by the way, true. too, we, we really do want to know everything. Yeah, we're going on. to. If we could, uh, Kyle, um, we would have some delicious pizza sent to you down in the bubble our sponsor um with, with great pizza fa fantastic food uh two locations uh hollywood west adams and if you come in there uh, whether ordering online or you're just showing up uh placing order there tell them the cam brothers sent you you get 20 percent off we, right. we would send pizza to all you guys down in the bubble but unfortunately that we can't. It, right. it just I mean, doesn't work. And like the twenty percent off won't really even cut into what would be a, a spectacularly large delivery fee. Yeah, from either. That's location. not even my sponsor, and I do love delicious pizza. I know exactly what you guys are talking Excellent. about. Excellent. And nice. I will definitely be going there when I get the hell out of here, as LeBron <laughs> okay, so I, specifically I, put yesterday. I guess I, I got to be honest with you, Kyle. We are we Andy and I have been talking about the playoffs and what's been going on. Not that it's not a completely fascinating time in the world of the NBA, but we find sure. you to be far more fascinating than the basketball right now. Uh, yes, you personally. Let's start with food. Okay, so do you know how many days you've been there? Like Mark Stein, I saw today, said it was it was solid fifty, and you got there before Stein, I think. Uh, no, actually, so uh, Mark and I are on the same timeline, so it's been okay. fifty days, and so. I think theoretically we're on the down slope of that. Like it's going to be something like 94, 90, 95 days. So I'm over the hump, baby. It's, it's all easy from here. <laughs> and what, how far in before you stop writing the notches on the wall? Like it, counting how many days that you'd been there, like Shawshank? You guys can see that? I thought I, I thought I angled my camera so you couldn't do you, see that. On his last day, on his last day, he's just going to write, and so was Goon in terms of he was here. Have you named a volleyball yet? Oh no! But actually, I will say, um, uh, I, I I can't say who, but I know a, a coach. There, so there's some staff being transferred into the bubble, and um, a, I, I know a coach. Who brought a staff who's a staff member who's currently quarantined a volleyball into the bubble? Oh wow, and, that's funny. Yeah, who actually went ahead and did the whole joke? So you, you aren't the first person to see that. Oh, and, I uh, wouldn't say over fifty days, but like, so my my first question is about food. Like, what like what is your food routine? Have you eat like how many places are available to you? What can you eat? Like, have you eaten at all of them? I assume yeah, you have. So I have I have dinner cooling on my desk over here. Um, uh, so most of the food is buffet style. It's like fine. Sometimes it's like not so great. Um, but 
you know, we've had, we, I mean, we've had like anything you can serve like on a spoon. Like we've, we, a lot of chicken, a lot of different kinds of chicken, a lot. Uh, we, we had po'boys that are not very good. Uh, we, uh, we have tikka masala night, which is pretty good. Um, nice. Yeah, I don't know. Like uh, some meatloafs. We, I've but had where does two it different kinds from? of meatloaf like, in 48 hours. Get, like where does it come from? Where does the food happen? Oh, uh, so the media has one area in our little – so we're in the Coronado Springs Resort where the Lakers are. We are confined to a quarter of that very small plot of land, and we have one place where we go to get food. And then when we take a bus to go to the playing venues, we have another um, place on the ESPN campus that serves food. But they're – I mean, they both serve the same thing. It's – it's, um, and every two weeks, I would say, there's a rotation in the menu, and – it's fine. I, I I like it the you're you're right that there's a couple um restaurants and they're mostly steakhouses or seafood restaurants. So it's like do you want steak or do you want seafood? And either way you have to pay too much, a twenty-five dollar delivery fee. If you're an NBA player or coach, like that's not very much money. If if you're a um newspaper reporter, obviously we we as newspaper reporters we make a lot of money. But yeah. just a little less. Than, well, as than as as it was, it was Patrick Ewing who said, "We make a lot of money, but we spend a lot of money." I mean, the lifestyle that we live is is really quite stunning, and so I understand, <laughs> you know, that you just that you feel like you know you got to preserve that when you're out of here. So, but like, how how much is food related to the psychology of like what you're doing down there? Because it can't possibly 50 days cannot possibly be easy. We've talked a lot about the players and what they've gone through this week, but it's gotta be hard for you guys too. Yeah. I mean, I think just to use food as a microcosm of, of everything, it's just, you know, we have very specific hours where we can go eat. And although they sound flexible, like you can go eat breakfast from eight to ten thirty, but you know, I'm going to have a 9 p.m. tip every night. So I'll be working at an arena until 12.30 and then go back home because we have to write at home for a certain portion. We can only be at the arena for a certain amount of time. So I'm going to be writing. Like last night, I was writing until 2.30. But like 10.30 for breakfast is kind of a big ask in, in some of these situations because we're working on a bunch of different clocks and, and, you know, it's just hard to change routines. It's very strict scheduling. Um, and, and teams have, you know, I mean, they have gym windows that are only three hours long because, and they change all the time because they have to um, clean the venues. So it's just, it, it's a really like rigid environment. And I've said that since like basically the first week I was here when Lou Williams goes out for, you know, um, to the historic Atlanta business um, that he attended whenever that was. And it's just like, nothing is like comfortable and familiar and under your own control. Like everything is just sort of, okay, what's on the schedule? Like, where do I go? Like, what, what do I do? And it like, there's a monotony to it, but then there's like a rigidity to it that just is very grading over time. And coaches can't control their practice times. They can't control where they practice. They, you know, they can't control their tips, like, and, and players great under that. And it's just like pretty much, no control over how much we have to grind through this thing in, you know, 90 some days. I mean, that's actually, I think one of the things that you just said the word grind, like, I think that makes this difficult for the players involved, but also for you guys in terms of covering all this is 
it's pretty relentless, the pace. Like, it's actually, it's great for you as somebody that, you know, one of your primary gigs is the Lakers, that they managed to close this thing out early. You know, and uh, I don't know what other teams you're specifically assigned to, but I have, unless one of them happens to be Rockets Thunder, I would assume that you're rooting for that thing to go seven. I mean, just because it gives you a little bit more of a break. Um, Honestly, yeah. Like, people who don't understand what we do don't understand, like, a lot of times, like, sometimes you're just rooting for the fastest thing to happen. Like sometimes yeah, that's like, literally every, every baseball game I ever covered. Who do you want to oh, win? Whoever sure. can win in two hours and five minutes. That's who I want to win. Like did, did I want the Lakers to win last night? Like, because I'm some kind of like awesome fan of like the Lakers. No. Did I want them to win last night? So I could possibly have like several nights off. Like, yes, I mean, yeah, of course <laughs> I did. Like, but you, you but didn't you know say what? not to like, I, I want to like, do like I've done before um, everything went down the way it did this week. Um, you know, it was like a week and a half of 9 p.m. tips every night, every single night. Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers. And like some of those games were really good. And then several of them were just walking blowouts. And like, but you still got to wait until like 1230 in the morning for LeBron and AD to talk. And that doesn't really tra- register for people on the West Coast because it's so early. Like relatively, it's six when they start so it's not that late but here it's like you still wake up in the morning at like a reasonable east coast time and that is like woof, like that like and the players feel that too like people can't sleep after games i've heard players and coaches like stay up until you know 3 30 4 o'clock 4 30 in the morning and then some of those coaches like have a routine where they get up early to run or work out or study film or whatever and so I've, I've had coaches tell me like, yeah, I'm running on like two hours of sleep today. And, but, and but that's, that's a actually, lot of people here. That, that's actually one of the, the psychological elements of the, the, this setting and these playoffs that I, that I find really interesting, but also you know, I have a lot of empathy for the players involved and for you guys as well. But specifically from their perspective, these guys all want to win. You know I mean? They, they're, they're all competitive. They all want to get to the finals. They all, want to win that championship but at the same time and you you can tell me if you think that this is incorrect i i imagine that in some ways success brings on some degree of dread because it means you're going to be there longer like you know normally when you you know i've covered championship runs before you know the playoffs it's always a grind and after a while these guys get mentally taxed and physically taxed anyway but the setting allows you to go home. It allows you some degree of reprieve from everything. And getting to that, that finish line, there's more freedom involved. This particular finish line, the closer you get to it, the more you're trapped, which yeah. I, mean, I think brings about this really unique, fascinating psychology that all these guys have to deal with. Yeah. And I'll just point out one thing, and this is not – like this, this the discussions that the players had Wednesday night were obviously like there's a lot of factors in them, but think about who was ready to leave. Like, and you guys know because it was reported, like the Lakers and the Clippers, and the maybe the two teams that have the best chance of winning the title um, in this whole bubble, and then who who wanted to stay? Well, like the Blazers 
Like <laughs> they're, they're, they're out of there in like, three days anyway. <laughs> Denver, Dallas, like t- yeah, teams that were about to be eliminated. And I'm not poo-pooing the decision. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that dichotomy of like there were teams that were very committed to like long being here a long time that were like, you know what, like we could walk away. Like and and it's it's a small factor that they they have to think about how long they got to be here, but it is a factor. How how real was it? Like you know that the idea that 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 could end because like you know the, so much of the reporting and like you know LeBron sort of explained it as well in terms of you know not liking that the Bucks didn't really have a plan that made him uncomfortable and there's a lot of stuff that he talked about. I think I guess it was yesterday. I think it's after Game Five, like you said before we started. Time is meaningless at this point. It's hard to remember when anybody said anything. Yeah, right. Um, you know, even Wednesday seems like it was like two months ago at this point. Oh my gosh. Um, how real do you think it was? Like how close do you think they were? Cause if the Lakers leave and LeBron leaves, you know, this thing kind of crumbles. Yeah. I mean, what I, I did hear that someone on the Lakers who I won't mention said, I'm packing my bags tonight. I, I don't think they, I don't think they ever, were like I think cooler heads needed to prevail um and the decision that they made in regards to wanting to make a social justice impact was the right decision for the most people um I think LeBron understood that but had to be reminded of that I I don't think like there were a lot of Lakers who went back after that meeting were like all right like well, I guess we guess we better get ready to go. Like, I don't think it was that far along, but I do think that LeBron himself was like, you know what? Like, if this is like, if we really are doing this, like, then why why are we here? Right. Like, if we if we don't have something that we're going to like, I think what made him mad was because he recognizes, perhaps as much as any player in the league. Like this is a card to play, and and it was a very like I talked to the Bucks about this yesterday, and it was very moving in some parts to understand how emotional and organic this this protest came about. But they really thought it was like, oh, we're gonna forfeit this one game, then we're gonna go to the press conference and tell everyone why we did it, and then we're gonna get ready for Game Six. But they didn't understand the magnitude of what they would start. Right. And then when by the time it reaches LeBron in the ecosystem, he's like, don't you guys like understand how, how powerful this is, what a powerful position this is? And we don't have anything to ask for. Like we don't have any positions. We don't have any like we haven't told anybody what's gonna make us go back. And and so I think that's what really just irked him in that moment. Yeah, I mean that that's something I know. Brian and I discussed uh during a couple of our post-game shows and when we had uh, Aaron Lasool on the last podcast, the idea of the importance. Shout out to Aaron. Yeah. Shout out to Aaron. (laughs) He's our dude. I think he's everybody's dude. Everybody loves Aaron, but like, like the idea of, of having that end game and and knowing exactly what you're going to do and what you're going to be asking for and how important that is, because obviously, you know, those games, just being postponed or, you know, at the time looking like they were threatened altogether, that is a really big statement. 
But in order to make sure it feels like this was all worth it, no matter what direction it goes, you have to know exactly why you're doing it, not just why emotionally, but why in terms of this is what we think we can actually get out of it. Yeah. So I, I can understand where, where LeBron is coming from. And, I, and I, that is something that before we started hearing, uh, you know, the reporting, some of the things that uh, they, they got the owners to newly commit to, that was one of the big questions I had too, was just the idea of where specifically is this going? Not broadly. Right. And, and one thing that um, this is, I mean, this is somewhat conjecture, but I think it is actually important. Like that was just discussed between me and some other reporters is the Bucks have a superstar, Giannis. And like Giannis is a big deal. He's commercially connected like LeBron is. He's not as sophisticated and he's certainly not as rich as LeBron is, but he's not American. Like, or he, he's not from America. He doesn't have the framework of understanding of race in America. I mean, obviously like issues that hurt black people, like surely hurt Giannis and his brothers, but like so many other players are just steeped in that culture of racial injustice and tension. I've heard Giannis, not to interrupt you, but I've heard Giannis Kyle say before that these are things that he learned you know, the more time he spent in America, but also right. early in his career was told by his teammates, like, these are things you need to be aware of as a young black man in this country right. that, that he I'm, wouldn't have known without being told. And I'm not saying Giannis doesn't understand race, but what I am saying is I don't think what I, I think the decision Giannis and his locker room made, but most importantly, Giannis is like, hey, you know what? Like our teammate hurts. Our teammate is not going to play. We're going to support him. Mm-hmm. That's how he saw it. And he saw the, the, that room. And what, uh, uh, perhaps if he was like American born, he would understand this is going to touch a lot of nerves. Like this is not going to touch Milwaukee Bucks or, nerves, or, had been in the, or, or, or had been in the league for 10 years. Yeah. Or whatever it might years. be. And to, to, to catch people up, they don't know George Hill, um, apparently it was just like, I, I, I personally, I am not going to play, expected his team to just go out and, and play without him. And they chose right. not to. Um, and that's kind of how this cascaded into a, a thing. And like you said, Kyle, like the Bucks just expected to take it an L against Orlando, not really thinking, well, Orlando might not take it. And then not thinking necessarily what it means if the Bucks sit out, well, then nobody, you know, the other teams can't take the floor. And so the, it was just, it was one of these things where the, you know, a, a, a coherent plan didn't exist. I, the other thing that I think is, is interesting about this is this couldn't have happened anywhere else. Like this kind of coordination to either we're going to play, we're not going to play. Um, There's so many things that have happened and, and are, are, are bubble specific about yeah. the way that this playoffs is working out, both from, you know, the emotional toil that Paul George spoke about uh, earlier in the week before this was its own story that I think is, is, is important. And, you know, the, 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 the seven game series all on neutral floors that are specific to this. And, you know, are you going to see teams make three game runs that they might not otherwise, because like there is no travel back and forth to something like this, where 
a, a, a hugely important thing happens and everybody's in one spot. You can't do this if you're playing a normal non-COVID playoff, even if people are you know, still focused on the, the racial justice issues. I mean, this is, everything about this is singular in so many ways. And it's one of the things that I think is fascinating about watching it. And I gotta think it's one of the things that's fascinating about living it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can think about all-star games because a lot of players are there and a lot of big players are there. But, like, I mean, there's 200 players-ish here on on Wednesday night. They all meet in a ballroom and all their coaches. And, like, I I was told by a league person that, like, this doesn't happen, like, ever. Like, you have a bunch of guys getting together for rookie symposiums. Some make them, some don't. Then you have, like, the only other comparable thing to this is a labor stoppage, which obviously right. this was um, unintentionally, but, but it was. Um, and so it, it just, I think there was a degree of power in that room, especially when you think about who was there. I mean, LeBron, Chris Paul, Mello, um, Udonis Haslam, some of the guys who have just been these huge like social justice voices for, you know, the last decade. And then Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown and some guys who are kind of rising up from that bottom generation or the young generation rather, and, and have a lot of interesting things to say. Um, And I think there's so much emotion in that room that night that probably people are still kind of reeling from feelings they had, including LeBron and, and, you know, Jalen Brown said the other day, I don't, I don't know if I feel confident the the owners are going to hold up their end of the bargain and and thinks it's incremental and so guys are still reeling I think from how it went in the moment but I think mm-hmm. the further we get from that moment the more they'll think wow that was that was something because the the thing is like positive stuff came out of it I mean we've we spent a lot of time talking about and I, I as much as you guys but like how this was like not really a planned thing but like good came out of it right like is it is it necessary to for it to be sort of this like totally mapped out corporate thing like no which which is interesting and and kind of rare honestly in the nba um so it like i think that will gain a lot more value to players as the years go on to be honest how much do you think it's going to help these guys? And I guess in particular, the, the Lakers, what sense do you get of how many of them will have family coming down? Um, you know, one, and it's going to be very soon where teams can start having their loved ones or, you know, family, friends, whatever, whatever qualifies um, into the bubble. Yeah, I, so I, I know the Lakers are probably going to be one of the bigger contingents because they have so many guys with families um i just i don't necessarily buy that this is a universally just like everything is good about this (laughs) like i'm not saying like it's not good to be with your family obviously it's great but it's just like this I, i i also just think it's an x factor like it's a like some people are going to see their families again and there's going to be like 
drama and some people are going to see their families like oh my god it's so good to see you guys like this is like but then it might make it harder when they leave because i don't think families are going to they can't stay that long i mean like kids i mean right if if you're here for like but if you're here for the duration or whatever it might be like that the, the same bubble pressures and psychology that has impacted players is going to impact families i mean they're they're even less used to this sort of thing and they don't have the outlet of basketball to where i got to practice today i got then i got rehab and i got therapy and then i got a game tonight i got my game day routine like a lot of times these families are going to be kind of on their own uh and i'm sure the nba is going to help them with whatever activities they can but they're limited in what they can do because you have to stay with other people and so it's not a very family friendly environment and there's a lot to go through just to be able to get in for a few days I, it's it's hard, and I, I think for of a lot of people, especially if you have little kids, like can't be there that long. Right, and I mean this is a workplace. Like this is this is a workplace, and and several players have said it's like being stuck at work, and like there's no there's not like rides or anything. Like I've like and uh, Tanya Ganguly and Rachel Nichols and I went on a boat twice, but like that was pretty much it. And they finally closed any... off one of those resorts. Did you make like, Tanya row? There... <laughs> <laughs> no, are, are there, I, it was a pontoon boat and i was i was the captain have you nice. know for most Wait, like, look at were, me were look, at me, the, look at me look at me i'm the, the captain now were you the officially <laughs> declared captain kyle or were you like the captain in your mind and you feel like everybody you you assume that they agreed like because i mean you would you would think in terms of pure stature and i i hope you don't take this the wrong way Rachel, Rachel is the captain. Absolutely, yeah. Rachel would be the She's captain. She's the captain. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are thinking of this the wrong way. Like, you should imagine the boat as like a Rolls Royce and who's going to drive it. Right. <laughs> who's who's gonna sitting in the back enjoying themselves. My other question is, <laughs> would you, did, at any point, did you say um, forcibly board or conquer like Varden's boat or, uh, you know, like uh, whoever else is down there, like, you know, Chris Haynes, did you overtake their boat uh, in a, an act of piracy? Uh, that I, I wish cool there too. was that much open warfare. Honestly, I haven't gotten, because uh, Rachel was sort of our ringleader because we went on the boat the first time and everyone said, so I'll, I'll just describe this because it is funny. Like, <laughs> it's like 930 and you know we're, we've all worked late and we're all sort of dragging over to because we have to go to a van that is going to take us to yacht club that's gonna and like we're thinking all right so they're gonna they're gonna like put us on a boat and we're gonna they're gonna ride us around for an hour or whatever and they take us to yacht club and then they have us sign a form and like all right there's your boat and we're like oh we get to drive it this is amazing <laughs> like and Every system I just described of like how you it like grinds you down with schedule and right. rigor and like lack of control, like that was freedom. Like, and the boat only goes like five knots, right, or <laughs> right. something, some ridiculously slow speed. And it's a lake. It's not like you can. It's not like you can sail off the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> you're it's like there. you can. You can go down a channel, and like the channel maybe is like. I don't know, like half a mile long, maybe a little longer, honestly. And like, you can see the gate of like Hollywood land and like all the people not wearing masks in line, but neither here nor there. But like, that was freedom for us. We were like, oh my God, we're having the time of our lives. Like, this is just a total um, break from the monotony. And so we get back and like Rachel starts emailing Disney, Disney VIP services, like, 
an hour after we got back, it's like, hi, we would like to go fishing next week. Thank you. And like sending emails back and forth to Kato with Disney VIP services to make sure we could go fishing the next week. But did you, how'd you do? Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Did you, you guys didn't see that? We, um, Tanya caught the most fish. She caught five fish. I caught three. Rachel caught two. And if you look for it, you can probably find Rachel's video of me holding up a fish and then dropping it and squirming between my legs back in the water. I like Ben so, Simmons. I got nutmeg by a fish. That sure. happens. <laughs> so, it helps with Tanya, by the way, in terms of catching fish. She's got the quietest voice. And, you know, it helps to be quiet while fishing. So that, that's a natural advantage, an inherent advantage that Tanya has. an extremely quiet voice. So extremely. it's good for her. Yeah, for those of us who are, are doing a lot of these press conferences on Zoom, we do need her to speak up a little bit because um, we can't always hear her questions, which are usually quite good. And so we want to we hear what prompted this. Um, what is the experience? What is the, I mean, for people who don't know, like the typical work experience for somebody like me and Andy is we show up at a game, we kind of goof off for a little while, we ask a couple questions in the locker room, maybe we write something, we go home. For people like you who do work, um, it's, you know, you're, you're at the, the, the media sessions, you're, you know, you have contact, you know, individual pull-asides with guys that you might want to talk to for a story you're working on. You're texting people around the organization. You're, how, how are the nuts and bolts of what you're trying to do, how does that work in this context? Because a lot of the press availability everyone has access to. So what do you do? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think one thing that you strive for is just is to try and get stuff that isn't happening on Zoom and and I've, I've had some success with it and some like, you know, I mean, some you just have to have it a lot of patience for because there's a lot of schedule upheaval. Teams want to cancel because they're sort of ground down and they, they don't want to practice every day or they want to have, you know, a different kind of practice every day. You know, we, we you this, that's inside baseball, but you guys know what I'm talking no, about. No, but we're asking, though. Um, but yeah, it's just. It's just a lot of patience trying to figure out, okay, like what works for you guys when, but then like games are every other day. So then it's like, it, it's very tricky to find those windows because a lot of teams just want to take the day off and guys don't want to talk and guys want to turn off their brains. And then pregame locker room does not exist. Right. Um, and that's tough. Uh, that's tough for a lot of us because that's sort of the um, foundation of like a lot of the relationships you form. Um, so, I mean, I think like, but then there's some other things that don't happen where it's like, oh, you might run into somebody in the bubble and like the players have the run of the grounds. We do not. Um, but depending on, you know, where you are, like there's some overlap so you can run into people. And are you like, cause at the beginning of the bubble, it was like really like if, if any player ever got near a member of the media or anybody else, like there was all the footage of like being like shooed away from people. Like at this point, if you, if you walk by Danny Green in the bubble, can you say hi to Danny Green without somebody coming to like yeah. drag you I mean, away? It's, it's it's at this point it's really player discretion, um, mm -hmm. and without getting too far into it. But like, yeah, I mean, and I think the longer we're in here, just the the better chance for that kind of rapport of like, you guys know what it's like, right? Like you you. Like, I think they are starting to, as much as players ever think of the media, <laughs> which I, sometimes not very much, um, you know, I think they are understanding at a certain point, like, oh, these guys, 
they're doing this too. I, yeah. I was just going to ask you that. Is there like a like a solidarity? You got like a, like a brotherhood? Like, Are you guys well, going to be like, like like in military terms? <laughs> you're all in the shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. And we can say that now. Like we're we're independent. We can use curse oh, words. Yeah. Sweet. Well, but shit. Like, um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, let it out. Take the next like 15 seconds. Just say whatever you want. <laughs> let them all out. <laughs> You've been in the I, bubble, man. Let it out. But um, I mean, even LeBron last night in that clip uh, yesterday said, like, um, I know I've, I've definitely thought about leaving the bubble. Same as all you. Mm-hmm. And and he gets it. Um, and there are, there are guys who get it. Like, there are guys who don't think about us. And, like, when we're there, we're there. And when we're not, we're, like, banished from mind. And that's fine. But, like, yeah, guy, like, certain guys who have awareness are, are getting it. And uh, so – um, and I think the longer we go here, the more interested I am in doing stories just about kind of surviving the trials of the bubble as much as I want to write about basketball, which I, I try to, but then stuff comes up and, and then people like Paul George stay, say what they say. So, right. I, I just, I, I always picture like when you talk about these like escape from the bubble things, I always picture everybody like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank, like he gets out, like tunneling out and you just see him in the rain. Like, um, obviously when you're done, you can just leave. Uh, it's not quite that dramatic, yeah, but that's me at delicious pizza holding right, up two, that's two right. slices of pizza. Well done. I was going to have to bring that back in delicious pizza. Of course, two locations, uh, West Adams and Hollywood, 20% off when you tell them Cam Brothers sent you either online, uh, delicious pizza.com or when you call in your order again, 20% off. It is really, really good pizza the kind of pizza that kyle goon would be eating right now if he could but can't because he's in the bubble um are you surprised that nobody like not a single covid case has popped up um yeah i am um and with the uh uh, with the uh uh, asterisk that the the second biggest wave of risk is right now right families coming in um and like teams are gonna want to speed that up i mean teams don't want their their families and players to be inconvenienced and they're gonna say well how how like how few days can we quarantine can we can it be four days can it be and then uh, so that might it might include some tests and market and might include some stuff might include some private flights that make it a little easier um to to ensure that safety but i mean anytime like the science is like anytime you bring in a couple hundred people i mean that's not science it's statistics like it's just the the risk is great well Um, and it it includes children and we all know children are filthy uh i know mine are you guys better than i yeah children are disgusting filthy creatures um and just hives of virus and germs and bacteria they just are you're making me feel great about this entire yeah, stay away from the children kyle <laughs> if you see a child adorable as they might seem run run the other way it is weird when you think about it that i haven't seen well i mean i don't have any kids uh like i really haven't seen kids for like five or six months <laughs> and then my some of my really good friends can't get away from their kids so yeah yeah, yeah i can relate to that one um the last thing i that i have for you kyle is just what are you doing to keep sane? Yeah, that uh, that is a really good question. Uh, I'll have to think of. I'll have to come up with something. Um, 
<laughs> if you don't have an answer, have to be God. like LeBron. Oh, you got LeBron. LeBron. You're not doing like all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. No, I mean, um, I think one thing is like I uh, initially when I got here, uh, Florida being Florida, I was like, God, running is awful outside here. And Southern California is perfect weather for running. Um, but at maybe a couple weeks ago, I sort of said, okay, screw this. I'm done with the excuses. I'm going to do it a little more. Um, and then, uh, and then just a couple other things, uh, I had, had some food out the other night where like not the buffet line food and, um, yeah, it's, I think, uh, I don't know. You... Like, I do have to find more stuff for myself because it like it, I was telling my colleague, Miriam Swanson, who I'm, who mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys know yeah. and is a delight. It's just, it just feels hard to take off work when it's like, okay, well, every day, like there's escalating playoff stakes. And, you know, I, I don't cover the Clippers and I don't write much about them even from here. Um, but, you know, I, I do go to the Clippers games in the event that, hey, maybe they're the team I'm covering in the finals. Um, and so then, then like today, like the Lakers are off finally and the Clippers are playing like, I could dig a day off, but it's also a closeout game for them potentially. So like, and that's like every day here because there's games. Right, every there's day. something, and you're a conscientious yeah. person who understands like it's both an enormous thing that the NBA is putting on, but it's also an enormous expense for like your company to send you there. So it's like yeah, you there's an obligation that you feel I'm here. I <laughs> thankfully, should. <laughs> thankfully, it's a great time for media in right. terms of the money they're taking in and stuff like that. So. You don't need to worry about that, Kyle. You know, order the extra lobster. It's <laughs> well, be in, a, in a very, but in a like in this larger sense, like for our business, there's there's a bunch of people here for ESPN. There's a bunch of people here for Turner, who are the TV partners of the NBA, and then there's eleven other media members. Wow. Eleven in the entire country, and like for me, I'm like, how am I going to waste that? Right. Like yeah. How am I gonna? How am I gonna? And I like I am the junior member, in every way, uh, in that group. So you and end up rowing. That's how. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's why I drive the boat. <laughs> do other people call you to row their boats too? <laughs> like, do the Turner guys like, dude? Me and the ball we boys. We got a boat ride. Get out here. But I, I mean, how do you waste that? Like, if if you have an opportunity to go to some of these playoff games, and I I didn't go to Jazz Nuggets today, even though that's a potential. Clippers opponent, but like I'm just like man, if I just burn both ends like that, I, I I'm gonna break down. But then on the other hand, it's like there's only so many people who can do this, and there's so many people who can't. And I have so many colleagues who want, um, you know, who want these insights. Like you guys, I mean, like that's why I'm talking to you guys because I want to like help spread this the media coverage of this place and and help people understand it. Um, because it's just so there's so few eyes in here. We're going to tell the story of what's happening. By yeah. the way, it dawned on me uh, while talking with you before we let you go. You, you guys down in the bubble, like the media, may be the only people in this country indulging in buffets. Like, I don't think that's true. Exist anywhere. Uh, anywhere. I think I've country. seen some in Arkansas or something. Well, I mean, I mean that's probably nowhere you want to eat. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I mean, come on. Arkansas, that's like a junior state. Uh, without, without COVID risk. Is that what you're saying? Like, yes, exactly. like, I yes. mean, period. I, I mean, 
period. Buffets are it's not, not a good. Happening. It's not a good I, time I mean, for I'm, buffets. I'm not serving it myself. There's a person with a face mask and a and a period. mask. Period. Still, still. Bad yeah. time. It's a bad time for the buffet industry. It's a bad time for the pants industry. Both are failing. <laughs> like it's just neither one of them. Like pants are just no good for anyone right now. Wait, how independent are you guys? Because I could I could show what I'm wearing under here. No, Pretty not that independent. independent. I mean, that's up no, to you, I suppose. I'll, I'll save it for the next episode. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's no there's no visual element to this podcast, but if you want to, no, show there us, is. Kyle, we post them. We're, that's true. Oh yeah, I forgot. We do. I forgot. So and this would be a go good way to we don't we, the viewership is much lower than the people who listen. Like the downloads are much higher than that. This would be one way to goose that. <laughs> I mean, that's true. You know, so uh, I mean, I guess it depends marketing. on how much you care about exactly. Um, how much, how much you care about you want our, to spread, our future? How much do you want to spread word of the bubble and the way things are? Right, about? and you can't even like you know, that's what I was saying. Like the ultimate thing here would be like some sort of rom com called Bubble Love, where you meet somebody inside the bubble. But that, even that doesn't work because nobody's allowed in. There's no like, and you can't yeah, like, no, no like well, Disney no employee room, over there. No, no, like no one's allowed to come in my room. Uh, you can you can be reported for that. Um, I no no one has uh, so. Uh, well, it's just the, it's, it's the not cleaning lady every time I go to breakfast. <laughs> like it's, you, there, there are cleaners here, and I swear they have a schedule of like when I need to like get in my room, come co coming back where they're just like they're still there. <laughs> like, okay. they, they only do that to the junior rowers, right? <laughs> they, like Rachel sure. Nichols, they don't Ray, do that. To I was about to say Rachel Chris probably Haynes, just sent do them. Do they have those Surrey bikes, you know, where like the one, like four people can pedal at once, like in the, from the front and the back? Oh, it's not socially distant enough. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. well Kyle again, you're, on a, you're, you're eating at a buffet. That's true. <laughs> so no, well don't ask about the legitimacy of the rooms and if they are <laughs> cohesive rules because it's just, it, yeah, that'll be a whole, that'll be a, a, our second uh, sequence well, sometime. You're, you're welcome back, Kyle. Yes. We'll have you on and you can call you can anytime. Break that down too. Hey guys, just need someone to talk to. Call anytime. Uh, Kyle Goon, Southern California News Group. If you haven't been checking in on his stuff, it's on. Uh, we follow you on on the Twitter on the Twitter machine, um, but you're also on Instagram, and your Instagram yeah. stuff has been really good. So you know, go find him there, and it's it's great coverage. He calls himself a junior member of the bubble, but he's doing senior level work. Wow, what a compliment! Thank you. I guys. just came up with that right off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. All right. All right. Our thanks again to Kyle Goon of the Southern California News Group for for giving us so much time. I mean, it's we're we're talking, we're recording on uh, a Sunday uh, evening, our time out in in LA. So he's staying up late on uh, a semi off day to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, and just it's honestly, I'm I was way more interested in the mechanics of just what it's like to live in there. I mean, we got, we were going to have Kelly Eco on later in the week, Andy, presumably if Houston closes his series out uh, to, to preview oh, the next round. Yeah. If OKC makes a right. comeback, we'll find somebody. We'll find well. somebody there. I mean, like there's, and we've talked a lot of it, like the basketball stuff's been recorded, like, but this, that insight from Kyle is just, it's fascinating. And to be able yeah. to, to get a, a view into what these people are doing to describe and bring us the stories and they've been extraordinary um from the bubble and just again kyle goon uh cannot uh really is worth finding him on instagram uh find him on uh twitter twitter's read his coverage goon. very good writer very good reporter 
I should actually Instagram. It's just Kyle Goon. Kyle Goon on both. Uh, at Kyle Goon on Instagram. At Kyle Goon on Twitter. So follow both. Uh, before we go, the other thing that was huge this week um, and just monumentally sad was the death of Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah. Who had been battling 42 years old, nearly 43, um, had been battling cancer for four years, I believe it is, since 2016. About, about four years. Which is something that nobody knew, including, I mean, I, I posted something today on our Twitter feed from Ryan Coogler, who, of course, directed, um, Black, directed Panther. Black Panther, directed Chadwick Boseman in Black Panther, is what I was trying to spit out. Um, and he didn't know. Uh, and this is somebody who obviously spent a lot of time around him. And like the, 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 the news, I think, hit particularly harder because nobody was even aware that this was a possibility. It wasn't, it, it wasn't something that anybody could pre prepare for in similar ways. Uh, you didn't prepare for Kobe Bryant uh, to die in a plane crash. I mean, like it's Whoa. the suddenness. Or David Bowie, for example, was obviously much older mm -hmm. than Chadwick Boseman when he died. But his his battle with, I believe, cancer had been was extreme, also right, was very extremely private. private. But it was, know, so yeah, but no, like, but that age thing makes a difference. Right, like you, sure, but the, I, it, but I, I understand. I understand Prince, the point like you're when, making. When sure. Prince died, that was yes. out of nowhere. Yes, and um, so and, it's just it's become it. It wasn't just, and it's not surprising why, but it's. It was a story that is not just a a Hollywood story. It's turned into a sports story and a, and a society story and one that has really been felt in the NBA community for a lot of the reasons that dovetail very cleanly to the, the racial and social justice issues that players are talking about. Yeah, I mean... It for people who are unaware, Chadwick Boseman was a really big basketball fan, really big NBA fan, played basketball his whole life. So he had this connection to the league, you know, the social media, there was a photo going around a, uh, a lot from the Oscars with him and Kobe um, together after Kobe had won his Oscar and, you know, the, losing the two of them, you know, in the same year, same so year. young, it, it essentially the same age, um, so suddenly, you know, really drives home the unexpectedness of, of both. As, Lebr as LeBron said after game five, it really reinforces just how 2020 is the shittiest year ever. Yeah. And, and also too, like, like you were talking about before, Brian, like the, everything that's going on right now in terms of racial issues in this country and issues affecting black people, right now but also have been around for for centuries and the emphasis that's been on it right now it you look at chadwick boseman's career and the intentionality of the roles that he chose you know especially upon upon being able to call his own shots more and you know he broke out with jackie robinson in 42 and then plays james brown and thoroughgood marshall and then mm -hmm. t'challa and black panther he had a small but pivotal role um, in the Five Bloods, the recent Spike Lee movie on Netflix, um, his unfortunately last movie is going to be an adaptation of the August Wilson play, Mulraney's Black Bottom. Um, he was slated to play, it's a true story, of um, an African 16th century samurai 
in Japan. And this is, and I, I say this with a lot of real admiration and respect, this was a very black filmography. Like Ch Chadwick Boseman, you could see, was somebody that really was drawn to roles and movies that were a part of the black experience, you know, sharing what that was about, whether you're playing black icons, historical figures, you know, the uh, Black Panther, you have this literal black universe in, in Wakanda. And, I, you know, I was reading the, like you had mentioned, Ryan Coogler's tribute, and Chadwick Boseman was really aware of what Black Panther was going to mean to black audiences, mm -hmm. the potential impact, impact in black Hollywood, um, and, and the roles that could be told more, you know, to black kids. And he said, quote, they're not ready for this, what we are doing. This is Star Wars. This is Lord of the Rings, but for us and bigger. Yeah. And, and it's, I was just going to say, like, I read a story too where, like, originally they, they, they were going to have accent, like British accents, for example, as opposed to African accents. And he rejected that and fought very hard against it because it would have meant that Wakanda at some point, if you kind of play out the logic of it, Wakanda had been colonized in some way or, uh, you know, it had, had, had been, it wasn't a, an African thing that, that welled up from African people, uh, which I, I didn't know about you know, that deep, just all of these details that have come out about, about him and about his outlook and his view of the film. And I, I can't, I can speak to the obvious impact that I've seen from, you know, how this impacted the black community in America to have this character in this movie. I can't speak to what that means for, you know, me or my children or whatever as you know as black people whatever. i'm not going to even attempt to co-op that what i will say is it has it's been sort of heartening to me and i think it's important for my kids to have a movie where that normalizes the concept of a black superhero movies like captain marvel that normalize the concept of women superheroes you know the wnba which like and i i, I think as a society we're slowly moving to that place where little kids now don't necessarily differentiate, at least out here, maybe it's a California thing, I don't know. Um, but like that to me, like when the, a couple of years ago, my, my, my middle son, my youngest son, my middle child asked me, he's like, I wanna go be Black Panther for Halloween. That to me was really cool. Like he didn't look at that and be like, I, like oh, that's a black superhero. I'm not black, I can't be that guy. I have to go be Superman or something like that. He wanted to be Black Panther because Black Panther's awesome. Yeah. And these, well, I mean, these stories are important. My point being that these stories are important for, for everyone in different ways. I don't mean to try to put my story on the level of what the impact was for other communities, but it's no, but not you're, unimportant but you're allowed, for my kids. You're allowed to feel it. I mean, you are, yeah. you are allowed to feel it because, Brian, that's the point. Right. Like, I'm just it, trying, I'm trying to not to co-opt the death of Chadwick Boseman into like, something about like me and my, my okay. kids or something. It's you know, okay. Right. But it's okay to speak about why it would affect you. I mean, sure. I, I think, I think that was part of his goals in what he, you know, and what he was looking to do. And I mean, I, I can say as somebody who is married to a woman that isn't white, she's Mexican American, but I know just from her talking about this, what it means just to have these type of movies that just feature representation. 
Yes. And, and that type of impact, whether you're talking about Black Panther, whether you're talking about Hamilton, you know, the, which has been released now on Disney Plus, and, and my wife has watched, I, I'm not exaggerating, at least 15 times. And just what it means to her to see, you know, our, our country, you know, have its history told in, in a way that involves people of color, how deeply, how deeply moving that is to her, even, even if it isn't her exact ethnicity, just recognizing what that means to her. I mean, I, I, I see it all the time and it, it gives, it does give me some perspective beyond my own in terms of that type of impact with something like Black Panther or with a lot of the projects that Chadwick Boseman was involved with. And there's also too, Brian, just there's this really like cruel irony to his death coming at this time where you know the value of Black lives is literally being fought for right now. And in certain cases, frankly, being fought against. And you know, it's also coming at this time when Black lives on screen, you know, th this has been, you know, a, a battle since the existence of Hollywood in terms of the way people of color, the way black people are portrayed. And, you know, representation is not yet where it needs to be, but it's much better than the point where Chadwick Boseman became a star. And in particular too, I think the idea of going beyond just colorblind casting, you know, like that, that used to be propped up as a goal, like 20 or so years ago, the idea of just, well, the role could be for anybody. So why not Denzel or Wesley Snipes or Morgan Freeman, like, you know, just as long as it's neutral, let's, let's look for somebody right, of color the, to play the writer, that role. Right. right, which is great. But what we're talking about when you look at the roles that Chadwick Boseman was playing and the projects that he was drawn to and a part of, we're talking about roles specifically for black actors, mm -hmm. part of a black story being told. And he really seemed to be- Which means a black you know, film is getting made. Yes. Yes, it's incredibly important. And he's among the few actors who had been, you know, really in the position of making that a priority, but he was also really determined to do it. And also too, with the stories that keep coming out, one of the commonalities is just he apparently was a wonderful person. Yeah, I, I've tweeted out a lot of stories of just like, you know, there was a thing he did for Jimmy Kimmel where he kind of like people talk to the Black Panther poster <laughs> oh, and he great. just pops out and so like, he's just, he does seem like just a, a a really wonderful human being uh, and the world is worse off for losing both the the talent and the person oh my um, god he was a i mean he was a good i want to make sure we emphasize this excellent, he was a good excellent actor, actor. And, and to see you know you mentioned ma rainey's black bottom which is a tremendous uh stage play by august wilson yeah like to to see him as you mentioned work with that source material as his last Film, it is, I believe, his last. Yes. Yeah, it'll be it'll be something that will be worth seeking out for sure. Uh, quickly, um, just we're going to recommend quickly a few other pieces. Um, Kevin Powell wrote a really good piece for CNN. Uh, CNN Kareem, as he often does, wrote a terrific piece for Hollywood Reporter. And our friend LZ Granderson wrote what I think is the best piece I've seen on Chadwick Boseman for the LA Times. So you should seek out all those. Uh, for sure. Um, I'm just trying, there's one more. 
they wrote a great one. Uh, Kelly Carter wrote a great one for the undefeated. That's what oh, I was, yes. I was yes. That was a really good one for the undefeated. So check that one out as well. Um, also just a, a thanks again to delicious pizza, two locations, West Adams and Hollywood delicious vinyl. Thank you to you guys for providing our music for the show. Uh, again, next show, I think will be the preview, po- preview podcast yes. for the next round, either OKC or Houston. Uh, And thanks to Kyle Goon again for joining us, and we'll see everybody next time.